Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Um, The passages today are from Exodus 20, verses 1 to 2, and 8 to 11, and then in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through chapter 4, 13. So it's a long passage. Okay. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, Hebrews 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed, should have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who believed entered that rest, as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, let's pray for Pastor Joel. Thank you, Father, for your word. It's long and complicated in the book of Hebrews. We thank you for putting it there for us to study and to learn from. We pray that you would enable Pastor Joel to clarify things in our minds and help us to partake of this wisdom that you're imparting to us and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much, Maggie. Really appreciate that. She's right. Uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, it can be a bit of challenge, uh, not just to read uh, when you have a cough. Uh, in uh, seminary, when we learned Hebrew to read the Old Testament and Greek to read the New, uh, it was constantly emphasized that uh, for new graduate students learning these languages, like the Gospel of John, that's your safe space. That's where you can hang out. That's where you can operate. The book of Hebrews, no, that's the deep waters. You can't go there. That's, that's not for you yet. Uh, that's like, like graduate, graduate level. That's like, you know, 16th grade or beyond. That's like way out there. Uh, and so what's fascinating about the book of Hebrews is that in effect, it is a sermon and it is a sermon about a song, Psalm 95, at least here, in which is about a rebellion back in both Numbers and in Exodus, which extends back to Adam and Eve's decision in the Garden of Eden. And so uh, when we come to it as part of our Ten Commandments series, uh, it, there is a complexity to it for sure. And uh, I think that's safe to say as you follow along, you're thinking, okay, I'm catching rest is the theme here, and then uh, unbelief, and I get that's part of it, but man, there's a lot of other stuff here that I'm missing. I want to encourage you that what connects all of this is a thread that runs through the whole of Scripture, and it's why it makes it valuable for us to consider as part of the Ten Commandments is that God, uh, we wrestle to believe God and take him at his word. And when we do, that unbelief often drives us to take things into our own hands, to figure it out, to achieve, to succeed, to meet expectations, to excel, to provide for ourselves. And by doing that, we fail or miss the God-given rest that he has provided. 
we as a church have been going through the Ten Commandments. And uh, so uh, we'll put them up. Can you advance one slide for me? Uh, as we go through them, uh, it's uh, helpful for you, I think, to see if you can remember all the Ten Commandments. After church, I challenge you, take that worship guide. There's space in there. See if you can write it out. Uh, here's a hint uh, of the Ten Commandments. So you, we're we're going to rehearse it, put it in front of you each week. Uh, and, and so we are on the Fourth Commandment. We have six more weeks to go after this. And this commandment has to do with God's command to his people to worship and rest to cease from their work on a given day of the week. And so it's the fourth commandment, and it's a part of this fuller series that is rooted in how we as people not only know who God is, but express love for him. The Ten Commandments, one way to think about them is that it is a rule of love. It is a way in which you can measure up, am I loving God with all of who I am, And am I loving my neighbors as myself? Uh, If you want to know if you're doing those things, one diagnostic, one check uh, for your own heart, for your own faith, uh, for the ways in which you're operating day in, day out, is to think through the Ten Commandments and say, huh, how does this fit? And uh, this can be helpful to us because we look at this list and— you know, we can think uh, there's some pretty big, hefty ones on there, right? Like, do not murder that we'll take up in a couple of weeks. And you go, I got that one nailed, right? Check. Okay, what else you got for me, Joel? I'm doing great. I'm one for ten. Where am I going from here? And uh, we can, like, be quick to check these things off. And then we can get to, to Sabbath, and it's almost like the other end of the spectrum. It's like, uh don't know what to make of that. So like question mark and then like move on. Okay, but I'm not an X, but question mark and I'll move on. And then we'll wrestle with big ones like the first command or the second command um, or the ways in which we use our speech, things that we probably wrestle with in the everyday of life uh, down in the ninth commandment. And so uh, the reason why we're taking a week on each one is that we can slow down and, and push against the ways in which we may think, oh, check, yeah, I've got that one covered. Maybe Jesus is going to have something to say about that in a couple of weeks. So you have to come back. You can figure out, can you really check that one? And then when we pick up this idea of Sabbath, uh, it, we don't know what to make of it. But if I were to ask you, how much do you rest? How good are you at taking time to step away from your everyday activities and reorient your life in an eternal way? Hmm. That may be a bit harder for us. Maybe not uh, a question mark then. Maybe it starts to get a little fuzzy. But it's important for us to take up texts like Hebrews. Is it... Uh, looks back on Psalm 95 as it looks back on uh, Numbers and on Exodus and as it links to the Ten Commandments and particularly Sabbath because uh, at its foundation, God's people are called to live in a way that is different from other people because God himself has shown us grace. And so how you answer that question of whether you're willing to take rest, whether you're willing to... uh, Uh, worship and set aside time that's different from all the other days of the week is it goes to a core question of uh, 
what is God doing in the world and how does that impact you? We're going to take up those questions this morning in three points. Barriers to our rest, reasons for our rest, and the direction of our rest. So here uh, in chapter 3 that moves into chapter 4, so this, this section in the Sermon of Hebrews, the author, uh, we can call him a preacher of sorts, is reminding people that uh, unbelief will take you all sorts of bad directions. And you want to avoid that if you can. Uh, you want to avoid that as part of your community, and you want to avoid that in your everyday lives. And so he is looking back at instances uh, throughout the whole of Scripture where people have just chosen to go their own way. Uh, And that goes back to the book of Exodus and Numbers, where the people on their way to the promised land, which was sometimes referred to as God's rest, the land that God had given them, where they would no longer be in the bondage and slavery and oppression of Egypt— And they would no longer be fighting their way through other people's lands, but they would arrive to God's promised land that would be their own, where they could be God's people and worship him freely uh, apart from the oppression of old. But on the way to that promised land, to God's provided rest, they oftentimes struggled. They struggled to believe that God could truly deliver that land. They struggled to believe that they would actually make it they would look back in their rearview mirror at that land of Egypt, despite its oppression. That, those parts would get kind of fuzzy. They would think of the good food that they ate and maybe some of the times that were okay. And they would say, well, at least that was known. And maybe that's better than looking out the windshield of what's ahead in the promised land that's unknown. And all of those things came down to their own faith and trust of would God make good on his word. That was the barrier that the preacher in Hebrews is referring to. Unbelief. A lack of trust that God is good. A lack of trust that God is true. A lack of trust that God would provide. And that's helpful to know because for all the complexity of Hebrews and uh, for some of the details of the story in Numbers and in Exodus that you may not be familiar with, surely it's not that much of a stretch for you to think through the questions of do you wrestle with unbelief? And what do you do with that? Is unbelief a barrier to your own rest? Do you have a lack of trust that God is good. So that when you face circumstances that are difficult, uh, you feel like, oh, I can't rest. I've got to take it on my own to sort all of this out. And so I just work without ceasing to try to figure it out and make it right because surely these things are a part of my life and maybe God will, maybe God won't. I don't know. Do you have a lack of belief that God is true? That is, when God gives us this command to say, you shouldn't live life day in and day out in the same driven way, just like everyone else in the world. That by doing that, you're putting yourself in a category of people who don't have the same hope that I will deliver them to my rest. And so do you work? Day without end, 
without change, every day, just the next things on your to-do list? If so, you may struggle to believe that God is true to his word, that he will be faithful. Do you struggle to believe that God will provide? You may have been taught from a young age that the keys to success in life are to work hard, uh, to do well in school, to get into a better school, to find a pathway to a profession that will provide for your family, uh, and that you should follow this pathway no matter what, and that every hour that you have should be devoted to that pathway. And success and being good at life means following that pathway. And diverting for that pathway means eh, you may be okay, but uh, you haven't succeeded. You haven't quite made it. If that's your story, then part of taking a rest is believing that God himself is your source of all good things and that he will provide. There's a different narrative that you may live by, and that's you grew up and you didn't have much. And you remember what it was like to struggle and fight. Uh, You remember what it was like to get made fun of uh, because you didn't have the things that other kids had. And that has an impact over time where you think, I'm never going to be in that position again. So how do I avoid that? I work hard and I'm going to make my own success. Come hell or high water, it's up to me. But underneath that, it's the same narrative, which is it's all up to you, and there's no sense that God will provide. Living by that story may help you be really successful in American culture, but it will be driven by an unbelief that God is true to his word when he calls you to rest, that God's ultimate plan for the good and flourishing of humanity involves entering into the new heavens and new earth, that he is the way for that to happen, and that he will provide for you. There are cultural pressures for all of us that are going to lean in, that are going to weigh on us, that are going to challenge us with the same barrier to rest that God's people have always wrestled with. Believing that God is good, believing that God is true, believing that God will provide. And so here the preacher in Hebrews is giving us reason for hope, reason for rest. How in the face of that unbelief am I supposed to respond? In chapter 4, verse 2, the author of Hebrews writes, Good news came to us just as them, but they didn't hear it. And the good news, the gospel that he is alluding to for them is that God himself would be delivering them. That good news uh, fell to the ears of Adam and Eve when they chose to go their own way. And God said, I will provide. So while they were moved from the garden and they faced consequences uh, for their decisions, God was gracious to them. When God uh, redeemed his people from bondage in the land of Egypt, he told them, I will provide you a promised land where you can go. When the people were exiled and they struggled to believe that God would ever bring them back home, God said, I will give you reason for rest. I will do it. I will be gracious to my people. I will provide. So that now, in the 21st century, as part of the people of God, um, in the face of our own cultural pressures, our reason for rest is still God himself. I mean, the confession of sin, put it eloquently, that it's not up to us to figure out how to set our own rules and filters and schedules to guarantee our rest. It's about us walking back in faith, 
to God himself and resting in the work of Jesus. That's Jesus' promise to his people, right? That he will ultimately give us rest. How can I achieve rest in the midst of the narratives that press in on me or my own anxiety about how things are going to go or my own sense that I have to accomplish? Jesus says, come to me in faith and I will give you rest. Find rest in me. Frederick Beekner, in his book, The Longing for Home, put it this way. Perhaps it is by what he brings that we know best the Jesus who is. To the blinded, he brings vision. To the deafened, he brings the sound of a voice unlike all other voices. To the deadened, he brings the breath of life. To all of us, he brings rest. There's a connection between our own use of technology, our own thinking about work, our own sense of like what has to be done. There's a connection to those things and our own spiritual lives and pressure. And the connection is that we ultimately think, well, if I can accomplish all that, then I can rest. In fact, one of the interesting things about COVID, particularly the milder cases of COVID, is that people don't mind it as much when it's a mild thing because they have to isolate and they can't go into work. And like, finally, I can get some rest. And I want to encourage you and maybe even challenge you, friends, that you should have the freedom to rest in more than a positive COVID test. Like, there should be more hope for you when it comes to rest than testing positive for COVID. And I hope none of you test positive for COVID. But you get what I'm saying. It shouldn't have to take being diagnosed with an illness in order to say, okay, now I can rest. We're missing something if that's the case. That's the connection between our impulses of everything that we have to do and what's going on with us spiritually. Our reason for rest is different from everyone else in the world, certainly every other major religion, because we don't have to work our way to God to make ourselves good, much like people want to work their way to success in life. Rather, God meets us where we're at. When we're blind, he gives us sight. When we're deaf, he gives us that sense of hearing. When we are spiritually dead by the power of his spirit, God makes us alive. And when we are at our most weary and exhausted, God gives us rest. That's the Christian hope. That's why our lives can look different from the world around us. That's why we have the freedom to rest apart from a positive COVID test. It's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ himself. So if he is our reason for rest, in Hebrews, he's pointing us to the direction of our rest in verse 9 and following. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So this part is important, and here's why. In the sermon on Hebrews, he's looking back at kind of all the ways that people have failed and how they're not there anymore, right? So if you think all the way back in the Garden of Eden, they failed. They got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. God ultimately redeemed them and was good to them, but they weren't there anymore. God brought his people out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He brought them to the promised land. 
Not everyone made it along the way. They obtained the promised land. They couldn't hold on to it because of their unbelief. They lost parts of the promised land and ultimately were exiled. God didn't leave or forsake them, but that ship sailed. They returned from exile because of God's gracious hand and his ongoing redemption, and they struggled to hold on to that, which is where the people find themselves in the day of Jesus when he arrives and says, okay, 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 I'm here to ultimately bring you rest. And so there's this open question of like, could rest be found or has all of those failures up to this point, has that just put us in a spot where there is no more rest to be had? And here's why we link together Hebrews 4 with the fourth commandment. It's because there's this turning and looking forward to God's final act of his story of redemption, the new heavens and new earth, and that's where we're headed. And so when we think about all of the failures of the past and we think about, okay, our reason for rest is in Jesus, um, how, how do we do that and what does that look like? A big part of that you are accomplishing right now because when we gather and worship and we set a day apart to gather together and to sing that God is good and to sing that we have rest in him and to pray to him and ask him to strengthen us and to be nourished at the Lord's table and commune with him by his spirit, what we're doing is we're preparing ourselves and reorienting our lives to what God is doing. So that rest doesn't mean I think, biblically, the cessation of all activity. Rest doesn't mean, like, don't do anything. Think of rest more as a stopping the everyday grind of life and a reorienting to what God has provided and where we're headed. That's what Christian rest and worship looks like. So there's this part of it that is this reorienting to the reason why we can rest and take a day off and not check email or not scroll social media or not like catch ourselves up on all the things that we think we may be missing. The reason why we would resist that is because we ultimately trust in God and we know where this story is headed. And that is an encouraging thing for us as Christians because it's not up to us to make it all happen God continues to be at work in the world. So rest is both active and passive. It involves us ceasing from the daily grind. It includes worship, what we're doing here this morning. So good job. In a sense, you are resting actively this morning. It involves a sacrificial giving of our time. So one way to know whether you're resting, so sacrificial giving. We oftentimes will talk about sacrificial giving when, it talk, when we talk about finances, right? Hey, if, uh, when we give of ourselves as part of worship and it's an act of faith, we give sacrificially, not just like whatever's left over, but we set aside uh, part of our finances to give in a way that's honoring God and reflects that we really believe what we have comes from him. Uh, the same can be true of our time when we uh, participate in a community group or when we do uh, work as a part of the diaconal ministry team or the mercy ministry team. We're sacrificing time, time that we could be doing other things to serve and love and care for other people, uh, whether in the community or in our neighborhoods and area. So it's like a sacrificial giving of time. Sacrificial rest is this. Is there any event or thing that you want it to do but you said no because you wanted to actively rest. 
Is there anything in your life, any event, if you have kids for your kids, that you were like, no, we can't do that because that's part of our day of rest? And to the extent that there's ever been anything or that something comes up and you answer that, that's a part of the sacrificial giving of yourself so that you can rest. It's a part of what helps you know, am I redirecting my life uh, and reminding not only myself but the others around me that there's more to this world than my to-do list. There's more to this world than my assignment list with work. There's more to this world than what I can see because resting now is preparation for resting later. Christians have the opportunity to rest one day in a week now in preparation for God's eternal rest in Christ Jesus. So for us, when we hear his voice in worship and we're reminded to come to him in faith and to rest in him, we do that with a sense of sober reality of the barriers that are going to press against us even our own hearts that are going to try to push us away. A reminder that our ultimate rest and reason for rest is in him. And a sense of direction, that we rest with a purpose, whether actively or passively we rest, because we are looking forward to entering God's eternal rest, or what Christians would call the new heavens and the new earth. That's what our Christian hope is. And that's how this command continues to work out, not only in your individual lives, but in our community as a whole. Let me pray. God, I ask that you will watch over us. And just in the stress that we feel with what must get done, God, I ask that you will help us to uh, be reminded that you are good, you are true, and that you provide for us. And that that can be a source of our sacrificial resting for you. God, I pray that uh, you will challenge us not only with this command, not only with the sermon from Hebrews, but uh, by the power of your spirit in our lives and our community to love you and to rest. In Jesus' name, amen.